This episode of Motley Fool Answers is brought to you by Green Chef. Start the new year right by eating healthy and saving money. Green Chef is an organic meal kit delivery service that brings fresh ingredients and easy recipes right to your door. Go to greenchef.com fool to get $50 off today. This is Motley Fool Answers. I'm Allison Southwick, and I'm joined, as always, by Robert Brokamp, personal finance expert here at The Motley Fool. He is also the advisor on Motley Fool's Rule Your Retirement Newsletter. Happy New Year, Allison. Happy New Year! It's yeah. 2017, and we're going to take on this year like a champ. Every week, we're going to discuss small ways to be wealthier, happier, healthier, and more productive in the coming year. And today, we are tackling wealthier with a step-by-step guide to simplifying your finances through the mini-miracle of automation. We'll also answer your question about which stocks belong in a Roth versus a traditional IRA, and review a few money-related apps. All that and more on this week's episode of Motley Fool Answers. All right, it's time for Answers Answers! And today's question comes from Brian. Uh, Before I get into the question, I should probably point out that we have a special guest in the studio today. One of our favorite special guests. One of our favorite special guests is Megan Brinsfield. She is, of course, a planner with Motley Fool Wealth Management, a sister company of the Motley Fool. Thanks for having me. Of course. All right, so here we go. Like I said, the question comes from Brian. Brian writes, my question is this, which stocks are best suited for a Roth IRA and why? I currently have a Roth IRA that I started this year, and I have a traditional investment account that I've used for about seven years now. I wish I'd started on the Roth earlier, knowing what I now know. Anyway, I'm in the process of building out both accounts, but want to know what I should put into each. Thank you, and stay foolish. Brian, that's a great question. Uh, In your question, you said that you have a traditional investment account. I'm not sure if that's a traditional IRA or just a regular brokerage account, so I'm going to answer it from both angles. So, first of all, If you have a regular old taxable brokerage account and some sort of retirement account, could be a Roth, could be traditional, could be a 401k, what you want to do is essentially rank your investments in terms of how much they are taxed and put the ones that are taxed the most in the retirement account. So that could be, for example, if you do a lot of short term trading, not something that we generally recommend, yeah. but if you have short term capital gains, that'll be taxed at your ordinary income tax rate, which is higher than long-term capital gains. Maybe you have investments that pay um, significant dividends. You have to pay taxes on that, especially if they're not qualified dividends, like the dividends that come from real estate investment trusts. Those are better investments to have in your retirement accounts, as opposed to a stock that doesn't pay a dividend and you just hold on for many years. That's pretty tax efficient. Now, what if the question is between you having a traditional IRA and a Roth IRA? Now, the big difference there is how they'll be taxed when you take the money out. Traditional, you'll pay taxes. The Roth is tax-free. That makes the Roth better, so that's the one you want to grow the most. So, roughly speaking, you want to put the investments that you expect to have the highest returns in the Roth. If you own cash, bonds, and stocks, then it's sort of easy to say that you probably want to keep the stocks in the Roth. What if you just own stocks? That's a little tougher, right? Because you don't really know which stocks will be performing the best. If you did, You'd make a lot of money and yeah, you could call take over us our show. Stock. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but so you could either, if you are an experienced investor, you could look at the stocks that you own and say, okay, I expect these ones to perform better. So you put those in the Roth. Or you could rely on history. History says things like small stocks outperform large stocks, although that's over the long term. Um, depending on what kind of stocks you own, it could be a, a high growth oriented type of stock. You put that in the Roth, something like that. 
Yeah, I also like to think about time horizon as well, just because Roth accounts don't have that required minimum distribution when you turn 70 and a half the same way traditional IRAs do. So, really, the Roth should be the last resort money that you have. And so, um, you touched on it a little bit, but you should be willing to hang on to stocks that have more volatility in that Roth account so you can weather the storms of up and down and really hold for the long term in that account. Yeah, and of studies that have looked at order of withdrawals in retirement, if you have several accounts, generally indicate you should deplete your taxable accounts first, then your traditional tax deferred, and then your Roth. So that gets to what Megan was saying in terms of you really want to put the stuff in the Roth that you're not going to touch for a long time. Thanks to Green Chef for sponsoring today's episode. If you're looking for a way to be healthier along with wealthier in 2017, you can save money and eat healthy with Green Chef. They deliver everything you need to cook amazing dinners right to your door. They're organic, non-GMO ingredients, pre-chopped and pre-measured so you can get dinner on the table in less than 30 minutes. They also include step-by-step recipe instructions and photos so you have to work really hard to mess it up. Resolutions have never been easier or tastier. We actually made the kofta last week with roasted broccoli and sweet potatoes, and it was extremely good. Go to greenchef.com slash fool to get $50 off today. Happy New Year! Happy New Year! May we all have a now and then. Like I said, we have a special guest to kick off the first episode of the year. It's Megan Brinsfield! Hooray! Happy 2017! <laughs> Happy 2017! So, you are a financial planner and you have tons of. De- what are some of your designations that you stick after your name? I'm a certified public accountant, which is really popular at cocktail parties. <laughs> yeah. Is and it really? Like, surely most people must come up to you with their taxes. They must questions. have questions. Uh, people have a lot of uh, preconceived notions about what a CPA does, everything from like auditing or banking to taxes and various financial matters. Um, but yeah, a lot of people confuse the designation CFA and CFP. So CFA is like a three-year test and requires a lot of like karate and financial yes. kung fu. <laughs> Bond convexity. I did not like do that. that. Yeah, <laughs> I did the CFP exam, which is Certified Financial Planner, and that is a broad-based exam that includes a number of fields like retirement planning and taxes, investments and estate planning, estate planning and, cases. And, yeah. and bro and I get together and occasionally just bask in our uh, CFP credential. So you two at least have each other to talk to at cocktail we parties. Do. Exactly. We do. I don't know about the year you took the CFP exam, but only 50% passed it when I took it. So it's not exactly easy. Right. It's not a it's not a cakewalk. Right. Well, we asked you on the show, because not only are you smart with the money, you are also a pro at automating your finances. And so, that's why you're here. You're here to share what you do and why you do it, uh, because it turns out automating is awesome. It is, and it's alliterative. (laughs) (laughs) We'll put that on a sticker. Automating is awesome! Yeah, so talk a little bit about why automating is so great and why you do it. Because I've heard different reasons, like it helps get um, your behavioral finance issues off the table, like so you don't defeat yourself um, like we are prone to do. Yeah. But what do you, what do you see as the best benefits of automating? That's definitely part of it. I remember a news story. You know, you hear about like Steve Jobs or Barack Obama wearing the same thing all the time. Right. Yeah. And yeah. 
that concept of decision equity, that I I only have capacity to make so many decisions in a day. I want to reduce the decisions I have to make on meaningless things. And although your money is very meaningful, it should be a place where you can make one important decision and automate those decisions over time. And that's what I found to be probably the most compelling factor for why I automate my financial life. But there are also other benefits like having greater predictability in something, you know, recurring transactions month to month. And then finally, if something gets me out of my normal routine, I know that my money is taken care of, that, you know, I never have to worry about my mortgage being paid. If you're on vacation or. Right. Or or like, you know. One of my parents got sick earlier this year, and so it's like, okay, between running to the doctor, I don't have to like check my online bill pay or anything. I right. Just, I know it's done. All right. Let's follow the money here, because we're going to provide a step-by-step guide for where you can automate your money along the way. So, first, even before your paycheck gets in to your grubby little hands, <laughs> what can you automate? The most popular thing that you can automate uh, through your employer is retirement plan contributions. So most employers have a retirement plan like a 401k or 403b that you can contribute to, and you never see that money, which makes it very easy to let go of it. (laughs) And uh, especially when your employer has a matching program where you can really get, you know, a dollar thirty cents or a dollar fifty cents for every dollar that you contribute. That's a pretty easy decision to make. All right. Also, insurance. Some insurances you can have come out of your paycheck. Absolutely. A lot of workplaces also offer full-time employees and some part-time employees actually um, health insurance benefits. So that money comes out of your paycheck before taxes, and so it's cost-saving as well as convenience. Um, I know here at the Motley Fool we have a, a partnership with an insurance provider where I have like my auto insurance and homeowners and umbrella insurance. All those fun, exciting things come out of my paycheck. Um, when we get paid, and I don't have to worry about it. And that's something that a lot of people actually um, can get caught up on because insurance, usually you pay like twice a year. And so, easy to it'll, miss. yeah, it's yeah, easy to miss. It always seems to come at the worst time like, oh, I got my tax refund and now I get to pay my insurance for the year. <laughs> and particularly with life insurance, if you went through some sort of a process to get approved for it, and then you let that lapse because you forgot to pay. Policy, you got to go through that process all over again, and you're going to be older, so it's going to cost more, and you might have gotten some new health problems along the way. So that's actually something that's happened to me in the past that I did not automate my payment of my life insurance policy. I missed it, and I had to get a whole new policy. So then, is the best step to like basically take your HR director out for a cup of coffee and talk to them about? I imagine every employer is different with what you can automate before it ends up in your paycheck. Yeah, I know when you first start at an employer, that's where you usually make all the decisions. They hand you a thick stack of paperwork, and that's uh, where you make your elections for the year. And it's easy to breeze through that and just take whatever the first option is or the default. Uh, But the HR folks are really there to help you in making those decisions, or at least explain the decisions that you have in front of you. So I, I always tell people to take take the time to actually read through that, even if it takes an additional week. Usually, you have a week or 10 days before you have to turn that paperwork in, uh, just as long as you get it in before your first paycheck. So, 
taking the time to review that, even you know, if you have a spouse, compare and contrast who has the better benefits, and and make sure that you're optimizing that. Yeah, but for anyone who is not taking on a new job in the next couple of weeks, um, is is this is a lot of this tangled up with open enrollment season, or is it something that you can just go and change and make sure you're you've optimized it? At any time, it varies. I mean, things like healthcare and flexible spending are often open enrollment types issues. But other things, some some workplaces will facilitate that you contribute to a five twenty nine college savings plan, and that's something you can opt into at any point. Rick would have been interested in that. I got that covered. That's right. But I no, know, but you could have had it covered a lot sooner. Man, if only we knew someone who helped um, put together our benefits packages and stuff. Hypothetically speaking, it's bro. <laughs> It's kind of an ad hoc basis, not an official basis. All right, let's move on. Now that the money has been pulled out, everything that you want to automate before you get your paycheck, your money heads into your bank account. And here's where you start automating your budgeting, correct? Right. So, what a lot of people do when it comes to budgeting is they look at how much they are spending and then see how much they have left over and save that. And what I've tried to do is reverse it, and that is figure out how much I need to save to accomplish my goals, which for us are mostly related to retirement and saving for college for our kids. And then when we were saving for a new car, saving for that as well. Get that money out of our checking account first, um, and then you can spend what's left over. And so those are big goals, but you can actually break it down even to smaller goals. So, for example, we all just got through the holidays somehow. We probably all spent more money than we expected, and maybe to some certain degree more than we had. So one thing you can do is take a look at how much you spent over the holidays, break that up into a you know by the number of paychecks that you have, like we have the amount of fully of 24, and you can sock that money away separately a little bit each paycheck, so that once the holidays comes around next year, you'll have the money. Could be for your emergency fund. Um, I quoted an article a few years ago from a financial planner who wanted a new bike and it was a very fancy bike. So she set up this whole separate account so that a certain a little bit amount of money from every paycheck was going into that one account just for the bike. So then, do you basically you go to your bank account and your your bank and you say, I would like to open up ten separate bank accounts and I want ten dollars to go here every paycheck and thirteen to go here. Like that's how that's how it works. Yeah, I mean that's what I. Personally, did but <laughs> having the online bank accounts, it's easy to kind of duplicate savings accounts and have um, each one with its own distinct purpose. There was actually a study at one point that said if you can log into your account and see a photo of what you're saving for next to your account, you're more likely to Aww. save the money for that. Yeah. So you know, you log into your college savings account and you see your smiling children. Or maybe an empty house, depending on where your goals are there. <laughs> it's a new craft room! <laughs> Sorry, Junior. <laughs> yeah, you're more likely to save in that event. So I have, like, I personally have my each savings account labeled as what I'm saving for. All right, Megan, what's your weirdest account that you have set up that you're saving for? Uh, I have a recurring deposit into an account for uh, to pay for my future wedding. Oh, that's smart. It's fully funded, so don't tell my boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to be so happy. So excited, right? No, he'll run away. <laughs> I don't want that. <laughs> he'll, be, he'll be lucky to lock you down. <laughs> Wait, are you, are you dating somebody who doesn't listen to this show? <laughs> 
I think that's a deal breaker. <laughs> it's funny how it just kind of sounds like a digital version of like the, the good old fashioned envelope envelope method. That's exactly totally. what it is. Yeah. 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 And it gets the money out of if you, most people operate out of their checking account. Mm-hmm. And if you get that money out into these other accounts that you don't look at at a regular basis, you, you feel like you don't have that money, so you're less inclined to spend it. All right. So generally speaking, we're talking about budgeting into accounts like emergency, travel funds, investing, um, buying a new bicycle, basically Saving anything. A new car, huh? whatever. Yeah. Anything you want to save for. Yep. All right. Now let's see where the money goes. All right. So once we've automated our budgeting, the money needs to go out to pay some bills. Womp womp. Do you guys also automate your bill paying? Yes, definitely for the big bills, the regular payments like the the cell phone, things like that, um, credit card payments. Some and in some ways we do it where it is actually automatically billed to the credit card, mm-hmm. and then we use our bank account to pay the credit card off. But that way we get the credit card points. Hey, who doesn't love some points? That's right. And and I for every opportunity I can, I get some sort of notif- notification that the bill is coming due and it's been paid. So I'll get a text from T-Mobile, my cell service, saying the bill has been paid every time it gets paid off. Yeah, I do the same thing with my cell phone, my mortgage, my just those regular recurring bills, knowing roughly exactly, roughly exactly, how much they are. <laughs> uh, you know, it's pretty predictable every month, and so it's easy to automate those things. And for my credit card, I don't automate the whole payment. I make sure I'm meeting the minimum payment each month so I don't get a ding on my credit report. But I do like the opportunity to go in and review the credit card statement before I actually put that money down. And it's so variable every month. You know, after the holidays, it could be a lot more than my normal spending. I think that's a thing that scares people about automating their bills is that suddenly T-Mobile is going to bill them a bajillion dollars and they're going to miss it. Um, And they're going to they're going to just start losing all of this money to reckless billing, I guess. Well, that's part of it. And I recently had the experience of, uh, I went to Florida to see my relatives over Thanksgiving. And then about a week or so later, someone in Florida was charging things to our credit card. And because we have so much set up on automation, I actually didn't catch it immediately. It was American Express that caught it and called me. And it might have taken me longer. So I think that is uh, something to consider. And depending on how much automation you do, you can sign up for things like gym memberships and things like that that you totally forget about because mm. they're just constantly yeah. getting billed. So you you'd still have to take a look at it. All right, now that we paid off all of our bills, let's talk a little bit more about monitoring and automating our monitoring. And here's where Rick gets to come in because, Rick, somehow we decided you were the pro at monitoring your bills. I don't know why. It's the last thing I like to do. Well, that's just it. The that's point it. is that you don't like doing it, so you automated it. That is very true. I just set it up so that I get emails whenever anything happens. And uh, usually I just glance at the email and say, yep, that looks normal. And I delete it, and that's all there is to it. Oh, so you don't even have to go and say, yes, approve pay. It's just like, hey, for the most part, you're yeah. paying this. And yeah. you're if like, I see cool. something that looks weird, then I'll go check it out and say, hey, what, that looks weird. So um, did did you use like Mint or your bank? Like how? Where do you set up? At what end of the process do you set up the alerts? Um, I do it through my credit union account. Uh, it kind of does the same thing that Mint does. I used to use Mint. Um, that works fine as well. Um, I found that Mint sent me a lot more emails about things I didn't care about, just because it tries to help you in ways that you may or may not want to be helped. Uh, with a bank account, it was much more just whenever a bill comes in or a bill gets paid or an account hits a certain. Uh, dollar limit or whatever you set up, you get that email saying that's what you. And every bank's going to be different, of course. 
That last one is important with the whole goal-based investing. Like you've decided, let's say you're going to kick off 2017 by saving more in your 401k and saving for next year's holidays and saving for the vacation now. So you're getting all this money taken out of your checking account. So chances are, if you don't then look at your checking account, you might get close to overspending because now you have to get used to this new amount in your checking account. So you have to set up some sort of alert that says to you, you're you're pretty close to whatever set amount, and that's what we exactly. And that says to me, whatever you're doing, you need to slow down a little bit and wait until the next paycheck. Yeah, and the first time you put your automating through your paycheck, you have to allow a little bit of buffer for error, so that your checking account doesn't go low or negative. Right. (laughs) But the good thing about the goals-based budgeting is. The reason that money has left your checking out is because you are funding your goals. Mm-hmm. So then it's okay to spend what you have left over because you've taken care of the important stuff. You just have to have some sort of alert to let you know that you're getting too close to a balance that's uncomfortable or inappropriate for your situation. Yeah. Can I just throw in here that you guys are money expert types are uh, making maybe this sound complicated or something like this is a really sophisticated way to do your money. The real benefit of this whole automation thing is that if you hate dealing with money it just all happens. You set it up once and forget about it. It's really easy. And for people who don't like to think about money all the time, this is the one for you. Right? The one thing like the one thing that's going to make your life in 2017 a lot easier. Yeah, or if your kids graduating from college or something, you're like help them set this up so that they can not have to have a headache about money all the time. It just happens. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And then uh, you're good for the year to some extent. Right. And then, and probably for at least a year. And every year you should evaluate it. If you're saving for college, save for retirement. You want to make sure that you're saving enough and all that stuff. But if you if you do set it up, that is the benefit. For the most part, you're on cruise control for a good year or so. Cool. Just listen just crank up the radio, listen to your tunes, drive down the highway. You're crushing it in 2017. That's right. Everything you accomplished in the first week of January. Boom. All right. Well, then let's talk about where automating maybe uh, doesn't work out so well. Yeah, there could be a few instances where there's a pain point here or there, but um, a few of them are like, you know, not everything is set up for autopilot. There are certain companies or online platforms that only let you schedule a certain number of automatic payments. And so it requires you to check in every six or 12 months to reset that automatic payment. So you're not getting 100% cooperation from all the um, other parties that you need to pay or save for. Um, and obviously, you know, Bro mentioned checking in once a year, but if your circumstances change by quite a bit, maybe you have uh, a compensation adjustment. Um, which sounds really nice, but it can make lead you to actually spending more because you haven't targeted that additional money to go into a, a savings account of some kind. Um, and another sort of downside is that some things that are can be automated come with a cost premium. So I had mentioned paying my auto insurance, for example, through my paycheck, which is really convenient. It equates to maybe $100 more that I'm actually paying for the premium every year, but it's worth it to me to know that it's taken care of and um, I don't have to worry about it, rather than you know saving that $100 and being more stressed about it. So, there is a balance there. 
And then finally, um, if you think about all of this, the systems working perfectly in unison, it really makes it hard to like switch a bank account or switch your primary credit card to something else because you really don't know all the ways that um, that automation is affecting that account until right, the you whole go. Machine from just kind of right. falls apart. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. So I guess make sure that whichever bank you go with to set up your accounts, like make sure it's one that you are really, really happy with. Right. This isn't something that you would set up for the purpose of getting like a hundred dollar bonus deposit and then have to redo it at another bank right. a few months later. This is your forever bank. <laughs> and the the bank will be happy to know that as well. Right. Yeah. Maybe mention that to them and then maybe you'll get, I don't know, a free mug. Toaster. Do they give out toasters at banks anymore? I don't think so. Pens. Pens and lollipops. I'll take a pen. You're not supposed to keep the pens. Mm, they have so many of them. It was not a gift. <laughs> and this chair. I'm taking this chair, too. <laughs> to be fair, I paid for that pen. <laughs> I've paid dearly for that pen. I deserve a pen. All right. Well, I think that covers it. Well, hopefully we've convinced some people to take the plunge and automate their finances as much as possible. Do you think we did it? I hope so. New Year's resolution checked off the list for a lot of people, I bet. That's true. I hope so. Well, it's going to make their lives a whole lot easier in 2017. One less thing to worry about if you just take some time and set this all up. Like what? Maybe you think it'd take like an afternoon or a day to get this set up? Yeah. Probably. Especially if you were incorporating your, all your finances. And I think that's a great idea to just take a whole day to take care of it all. It may not sound very fun, but you'll feel a heck of a lot better when you're done. Yeah, future self will thank you. That's right. And about a year ago, we learned that after you take a day to do something like this, you get to treat yourself. Treat yourself! Go out to dinner, do something nice. That's true. We did talk about that. So, all right, go automate some stuff and then take your favorite self out to dinner. (laughs) Megan, thank you for joining us. Uh, It's always nice to have you in the studio. It's a pleasure. I'm glad I get to kick off 2017 with you guys. Yeah, (laughs) favorite people. (laughs) Thank you. This month, I've enlisted the help of a few guinea pigs. Do you mind me calling you guinea pigs? Don't mind at all. Okay, thanks. To try out a few apps to help you manage your life. In a series we're calling, There's an App for That. Not terribly creative, but whatever. All right. So today, we're going to talk about some apps to help you manage your money. Joining me is Naima Barnes. She's a financial planner with Motley Fool Wealth Management. A sister company of the Motley Fool. And Sarah Rathner, friend of the show, a fool and a money savant. Sure. Totally agree with that. Oh, well, if bro says it, it must be true. It's true. We've worked together, I know. All right, so staying on the topic of automation, Naima, you're going to go first. You looked at an app called Digit. Yes, I did. What does Digit promise to do for you? So Digit promises to save mindlessly for you. So they move over money um, a little bit, either every day, a few days, depending on what your spending looks like. So it could be anywhere from like 20 cents up to $50. Um, so far, I've saved about four hundred and eighty dollars with them. Wait, what? When did you when did you set it up? How long have you been doing it? Um, so I've had it for the second go around, at least since I moved here, so about a year. Wow! And just mindlessly moving over money every few days. Which it is basically cool. it it analyzes your spending habits and your income habits, right? And says yes. like, okay, we think we could safely move this amount over to this other account. Yeah. And the really cool thing is that um, it sends you a text message every day of what your balance is. And then you can reply back with um, some keywords, like how much have I saved already? Um, can I add more? Whatever. And they'll 
do that for you. It's the, smart enough to, yeah. to talk to you. So you you said you hook it up to your savings account, your checking like how what accounts do you hook it up to? You hook it up to a bank account, a checking account, and then it will move money into their own little savings account. Um, which is FDIC insured, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. And from there, it'll move money over periodically. And you can withdraw it at any time. And they will also cover overdrafts, which is also nice. Is it a free app? Yes, it is free on Android and iPhones. And you can sign up either on their website to use through the text message or through the app. You can transfer money just by texting them, right? It's pretty yeah. easy to move money from the digit account. Yes, very easy. And they don't pay interest, but they pay like a bonus every three months. Yeah, it's so if you have at least a hundred dollars with them for every one hundred dollars you have with them for three months, they'll give you five cents, which is pretty cool. <laughs> not bad. All right, so bottom line, you like it? I love it. Oh, <laughs> not just a like, a love. Awesome. All right, so that's digit, and it's digit or digits plural. It's digit, D-I-G-I-T dot co is the website. All right, cool. All right, and so Sarah, you looked at personal capital. Now, personal capital I think of as being a robo-advisor, but it does it, it did the app does a lot of things, right? Yeah, I would describe it as a combination of, like if you've used Mint.com or Mint, um, so budgeting plus eventual financial advisement slash investment management. So it works in multiple levels, so it can kind of be what you want it to be and what you're willing to pay for. So the app is free, signing up for the site and creating an account and um, attaching various accounts to your account is all free. But then um, I think what happens is once you hit a certain net worth minimum, and I'm not sure what that number is, the sales calls begin. Oh, <laughs> I think it's 25000 I think you have to have at least 25000 for them to manage your money. Right. And so, um, so I did get a sales call. And they wanted to set me up with a 20-minute phone call with a financial planner. And I had to be very nice. And, and then I had to get slightly less nice because they were pretty insistent. And I was just like, so I have financial planners in my life because I work at The Motley Fool. And, and we have those resources here. And I could just walk down the hall and ask Bro a question or ask Naima a question or something like that. And, and so um, I, I didn't personally want to take advantage of that. There are, you know, I'm sure plenty of people would love the opportunity to work with a company that has this really great interface um, that can handle, that can give you advice about how you should allocate your money, but also um, manage your money if you would like to pay a fee. Uh, I'm just more of a DIYer, so that wasn't something I wanted to take advantage of. But you did take advantage of one aspect, and if I recall, you were very pleased. Yes. So one of the really cool features, so the app is pretty cool. I would say if you want the the whole enchilada, you should just go to the actual website and log in there, because you'll see all of their features. One of the ones I really liked was the 401k fee analyzer, because uh, it looks at all of your retirement account holdings, so not just your 401k, but it also looks at your IRAs, too. And so, to give you some numerical data, because I feel like some of your listeners would want actual numbers to go with this, assuming I max out my 401k, which I do, and I get a 7.5% return by the time I'm 67, which is in 35 years, and I receive a $4,800-ish match from The Motley Fool every year, um, before my Roth IRA and my 401k combined, um, I would have lost 10% of my earnings to fees by the time I retired at 67 which is over half a million dollars. And so then, yeah, you know, the thing is you see that 10% and it doesn't seem like much. And then you put a number behind it. 
Number time. time. And time. Time times fees can be quite sobering. Right. Right. And so, and then they give you this thing like this number equals X number of years of your retirement that you could have funded with this money, but instead you paid fees on your investments. So then I uh, redid my 401k al- allocations because I have skills. And there were a couple <laughs> of allocations that I'd have from a couple years ago that. Um, I was able to pick options that were similar but had lower expense ratios. And so, if you want help with this, consult a financial planner, but I just did it myself. (laughs) Um, And so, I was able to bring the fees down on my 401k. And here's where the numbers get really tiny but have a big impact. I think I was paying like 0.22% in fees on average, and I brought it down to 0.20%, which does not seem like a lot. Mm -hmm. However, I said before I was going to lose 10% of my earnings to fees in 35 years, and now I will lose 7% of my earnings to fees, which is just under $400,000. It ended up being a difference of $156,000 in fees. So that could probably fund my retirement for like three years. Right. So because of the personal capital app, you were able to rejigger your 401k and basically have $150,000 more for your retirement. Yep. And I did not pay a dime. The cliff notes, yeah. The, wor- <laughs> the word awesome. on the street, the difference between Mint and personal capital, Sarah, and you let me know if you agree with this, is that Mint is better for people who are really looking to get a control of their spending. It's more budgeting-oriented. Personal capital is better if you are more interested in insights in your portfolio and retirement planning. Yeah, you could attach your credit card accounts to your personal capital account, and it will analyze your spending categories for you. I chose not to do that because I didn't want to use it as a budgeting tool. I found for me it was more helpful as a, a snapshot of where I am in time and also as a way to see like what small changes could I make uh, to make a big impact on my earnings in the future. And really, this took me like 15 minutes. Cool. All right. Gotcha. So, bottom line, personal capital, cool, cool to find you money. Maybe not so cool with the sales calls that follow up. I'm not a huge fan of sales calls, but I mean, I, listen. <laughs> not I, that everyone, anyone is. <laughs> not, not to knock personal capital. Like you have to make money somehow. So I get it, and and they really are. You know, if people need help, then they're doing a good thing. But I personally did not want that feature, so I did not take advantage of it. All right, and you don't have to because the 401k analyzer was free, right? Mm-hmm. All right, yay. Well, that's it. That's it for there's an app for that. Woo! Thanks, Thank guys. you so much for joining us. Thank you. <laughs> All right, well, that's the show. I want to thank Sarah and Naima and Megan for coming in and helping us kick off 2017. And I don't know, how would you describe the way they helped us do it, bro? Fantastic style. (laughs) All right, our email remains answers at fool.com. Join us next week as we tackle another way for you to take control of 2017 and make it fantastic. What? What did you say? Fantastic style. (laughs) Oh, it doesn't make any sense. I don't know why I'm laughing. (laughs) All right, whatever. The show is edited with fantastic style by (laughs) Rick Engel. Uh, Stay foolish, everybody, and have a great 2017.